CEOs and companies are dealing with increasingly sophisticated audiences, where skepticism is the default. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast coming from The National in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. With me is co-host and The National's future editor, Kelsey Warner. Hi, Kelsey. Hey, Mustafa. So two major events um, before we get into the show. One, <laughs> one is we're in the studio together. Yes. A whole new world. Two years later, we're here. It's, it's good to be back. With a guest. Yes. Um, but also, people can see us. We're on camera. Terrifying. Exciting, I would say. <laughs> but so if you want to watch us, um, watch the Business Extra podcast, you can now do so on YouTube. Right. Lights, camera, action. As well as the Nationals website, of course. So this is where we're going now. People have demanded this for years. We want to see the people who are speaking. A true omni-channel experience with Business Extra these days. Yeah, we're, we're on, across all platforms. Exactly. So it makes it for a richer experience for the viewer. And the listener, I hope. <laughs> exactly. So today's topic is essentially about trust. Um, it's been more than ever on the agenda these past few years because we realized at some point, um, given the, uh, the effects of social media and technology and economic crises and, and, and political crises, that perhaps we didn't have a handle on trust as much as we thought we did. The information that we're consuming, uh, Lex Friedman, who's an AI researcher at MIT and a voice that I, I like to look to sometimes said recently that it is getting harder and harder to know what is true. And I, that it's a trite thought, but coming from him, who is a technology expert at the forefront looking ahead, this deluge of information, this audience skepticism, what we're seeing just in within society, trust is becoming a competitive advantage. And if you have trust you are better off and in societies potentially are better off if if you know the information you're looking at is true. With us today in our studio in Abu Dhabi, we're very happy to have a guest um, given the last couple of years. Um, Omar, it's lovely to have you here uh, to talk about the trust barometer, uh, you know, once again. Um, I know Edelman's been doing this for more than two decades, but it feels as if in the last few years in particular, the conversations around trust have become really, really pertinent. Obviously, trust has always been important, but now everyone's asking, do we have it? Can we get it back? Where is it? Where do we not have? You know, th these things are happening. And so I guess last year, we talked a lot about how the pandemic influenced trust levels and some of those trends are continuing to play out. But do, do you find that the, the kind of discussions around trust are becoming more pointed in the business community that you're, that you're moving around in? 100%. So we've been measuring trust for 22 years now, and there are certain global themes which play out. And the current one is we're in a cycle of distrust. And what we're seeing globally is that trust in maybe all institutions apart from business has collapsed. And we started to see that with the proliferation of fake news back in 2018. However, the UAE bucks that trend. Um, so all four institutions, government, business, NGOs, and media are trusted in the UAE. Um, and then the UAE as a country overall is the second most con trusted country um, globally. And we, we um, survey 36,000 people in 28 countries. So I'm just setting the scene of that, that the UAE is always one of the most trusted governments and countries. But one of the key pillars from this year's report is that business has surged in terms of trust. So there's an been an 11-point increase in trust in, in business. And from there, there's more expectations that CEOs become more vocal and talk about more difficult social issues, sustainability, et cetera. Because ultimately, people are worried about their jobs. They're worried about automation. They're worried about 
things like um, efficiency savings and more competition for roles. So short answer, um, the UAE bucks the trend, but business is becoming more and more important and trust is, is crucial to that. There was a lot to unpack there, but I yeah. want us to take a step back and you're in the communications business. Why is trust important to Edelman? Why is it important to society? Yeah. So top line is that trust helps organizations build and protect their reputations. If you scratch beneath the surface of that, it means that you are able to track institutional investment, partners, for example, or attract the best talent. It also means that you're going to have more advocates in the market. And it also means that you are more resilient in times of crisis. People would see and believe you, what you're saying and actually buy your products and align with your um, organization or your company if it's something that actually aligns with their personal values. Okay, so thinking about that as we're in a collapse of trust moment, yet the UAE is an outlier. Mm -hmm. So what is lost by those who are experiencing the collapse and what is gained by those who are bucking this trend? That, that's, that's an excellent question. And you can see that in the most definitive way on the economic optimism of the, um, of the report slide. So globally, economic optimism, i.e. people in five years' time thinking they'll be better or worse off, has collapsed in the Western world. So um, you're actually seeing a decline in, in, in sort of people thinking that they're going to be better off. In the UAE, again, it's bucked the trend and actually people will think they're actually going to be better off in five years' time. And that's because those institutions are leading by example. So I'll use the example I used this morning on the panel with you in the sense of Mohammed bin Zayed was living and breathing um, uh, sort of the values of trying to get through the pandemic together because we we're all in the same boat. Trust in that is actually built. So people will then become more optimistic that their futures are brighter. I, I, I like this uh, angle about the economic optimism because if you look at your survey going back, there was a bit of a, a low point in 2016. Um, and of course, we know what happened in the US in 2016. We, we had a surprise election result that brought in um, a president that, that people were you know, shocked to find there was a lot of support for. Mm -hmm. um, but that could be because there was a lot of mistrust at the time, generally in institutions, um, but also because we'd been sort of six years into an economic downturn that seemed like it wasn't really improving. Um, and with the UAE, the economic opportunities continue to be there. And because that's a focus, then you see that trust levels are perhaps higher than they might be elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I just want to thread a quick needle here from 2016. I mean, the other thing to the shock of the possibility that a wide voting bloc had fallen prey to potential misinformation and that it resulted in a new election outcome that we hadn't expected. We had that whole Cambridge Analytica Facebook fiasco at the time. So I just want to add that kind mm -hmm. of thread there of it wasn't just there was broad support. There was also the revelation of a misinformation, information warfare. Yeah. People were ready to, to believe the, you know, things that weren't true because there was a lack in trust in traditional sources, traditional sources of information. Mm -hmm. And we lost that. So now, you know, the trend now looks like the last five years, uh, you know, judging by the survey, that it's, it's coming back. Mm -hmm. And is that because we're talking so much about it, I wonder? So uh, I think there are two points here. The first is that there's been a long-term move from a top-down approach in terms of people just believe in governments globally or media globally. And you're more peer-to-peer. -peer. So people in your circles will reverberate sort of comments that you are more likely to believe. So people are more listening to people like me. Um, the second thing is that it has been, as you rightly said, that fake news is an issue and that issue hasn't gone away and people are still con con concerned about fake news in the latest report for us. 
not just in terms of actually, okay, how do I tell what's accurate and not accurate, but fake news intentionally being used as a weapon for misinformation. It's the latest version of, of World War II um, propaganda being dropped from, the, from planes. It's the leaflets. I mean, we, the, the least trusted source of information, according to the survey, is social media. So people understand now that you know, if something is on social media, you might have to see it m more than once, yeah. several times, right, to actually believe it. So it, tell, it tells me two things. One is good for people to understand that when you see something on social media, it isn't true. I'm happy to see that, you know, we get it. And maybe I'm underestimating people to think that it's a good thing. You know, they shouldn't have known this anyway. But then the second thing is, do we just have to live with this now? Is this telling me that this has become a cost of business almost? You're going to have to deal with fake news, whether it's as a business countering rumors in the market or, you know, you know, disgruntled people saying stuff about your services on social media or as a government or, or, or as an individual. Do we now just have to accept this is it because people are beginning to distinguish between good sources of information and bad rather than, let's say, let's stamp out fake news? Mm -hmm. So actually, as a communicator in 20 years, it's, it's actually best practice to gather your information from different sources so you can actually get different perspectives on things. If we bring it down to the actual latest report, again, the UAE bucks the trend. So globally, media isn't trusted and it's actually in the red zone. But in the UAE, um, actually media, the four sources, search engines, traditional media, own media, and social media, they're not distrusted, right? So actually search engines and traditional media are still trusted sources of information, while owned media, so your own websites, et cetera, and social media are neutral. So there's still a job to do. Sorry. No, it's interesting that you say that and that the survey finds that because the UAE is one of the few countries in the world that actually regulates social media use. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there's probably a level of trust in the social media that we're consuming here mm -hmm. because, you know, Facebook and the like have hid behind First Amendment rights in the U.S. to basically abdicate responsibility for the information that gets spread on their mm. platforms. But here there is a level well, of... Yeah. I think the government takes responsibility for the potential harm Regulation. That could be caused One by, word, regulation. By, by, by anything. I think that, that's, what, that's their first in, uh, consideration is, does this cause harm? And, and often that can frustrate people that live in this region. It's not just the UAE, but it, it, maybe it's culturally. The government, people get frustrated. The government immediately is like, wait, you know, slow down. Sure. You know? mm. But it is interesting and uh, surprising to me, and maybe a lesson to be learned from other countries struggling to regulate social media, that it does, in fact, promote trust in marketplaces mm -hmm. where there is regulation for the information spread online via social media. 100%, 100%. And I think, that, and I mentioned this, that actually fake news being used as a weapon, so intentionally malicious, and because it's regulated here and, be, and people actually trust it more, that there's more faith in the system, that the information they're, they're actually consuming has been one aligned with local laws and regulations and actually comes from reliable sources. Um, if you compare the um, the actual results, social media in France is on 19%. In the UAE, it's on 57%. Even on search engines, there's a massive 30-point gap in terms of people actually trusting the information that they consume from search engines in the UAE compared to other markets such as US, Australia, and Japan. Um, if we, we look back sort of 10 years ago, there was this sort of uh, disintegration of the idea that my employer looks after me, that my, my job is somewhere that um, I can feel... I, you know, I can grow with and stay with. And, you know, we had the explosion of the gig economy that kind of made it even less sort of permanent, this idea of employment. But what we've seen now, and particularly here, is a flip of this, a 180. The pandemic taught a 
a lot of people, lucky people, obviously there were people that, that experienced, um, you know, bad times, but for lucky people that, that got through it, they realized their employer was looking out for them. They realized that, you know, my employer, my boss, they, they took, people were taking ownership of that again, which was really nice. And, and, and we talked about it last year that, um, you know, internal communications in a company were, were highly trusted and that trend's continued now. So employers have this really, really good opportunity to kind of continue that, that platform. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. And I think what the pandemic taught us was that actually there needs to be consistency. So if, if it's HR putting out internal messages, if it's content on your website, if it's the CEO speaking, that there has to be a consistent position and, and companies do need to take a position on issues. So more and more stakeholders are actually holding businesses to account. They will vote with their dirhams. They will vote in terms of, well, actually, I don't want to work for this company because it doesn't align with my own values and beliefs. And then globally, we're seeing ESG um, becoming more and more um, a reporting mechanism for investors um, in terms of, are we actually going to partner with this company if it doesn't fit in with, with addressing social issues? Um, so absolutely, my employer has become a trusted source of information. Um, and I've been advising clients in Abu Dhabi and uh, in the region um, and I haven't just been speaking to my client, the chief communications officer, but I've been advising the business continuity team, the HR director, about what they should be doing from a policy perspective to retain the trust of internal stakeholders um, and make sure that employees feel safe during the pandemic, that they're going over and above. So thinking about this in this environment where, OK, trust is down for media, governments, seemingly every entity other than business. Globally. Globally. But in the UAE, it's all up. Okay. <laughs> for our outlier, the UAE. But okay, so businesses and CEOs are some of the most trusted organizations and humans on the planet right mm -hmm. now. During a time when the world is on fire, we have existential threats facing us. Are they up to the challenge? They better be. This is, this is like a huge opportunity for them to honestly fail. Mm -hmm. So I think over the past 24 months, we've actually seen them step up. Um, I didn't know I was on so many distribution lists for companies and I didn't hear as much from CEOs as I have done over the past 24 years, uh, 24 months. Um, the other piece is that um, companies are going over and above. There's an expectation that CEOs do talk about more difficult societal issues. And I mentioned this on our, um, on our panel this morning. The pandemic has made us realize that we should be doing these things anyway. right? CEOs should be talking about um, these topics. They shouldn't just be in an office coming out for the annual general meeting or actually in the annual report, but people want to hear from the business leaders about what their organizations are actually doing. Um, even from a cultural perspective, um, you build culture from the top, you lead by example. And me as a CEO running Edelman in the region, I lead by example. Like, um, I, 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 um, I was an intern 20 years ago, right? I started off like cutting out newspaper articles, faxing it to ministers with a Pritt stick and stuff. So I make sure that everyone from the bottom of the business to the top of the business has the same values. And that is by being proactive, by being visible and being honest and empathetic with them. I randomly call my staff just to check they're okay. Um, that's the, the, gone are the days where it's all top down now. I mean, 20 years ago, the, it was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> What wasn't 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 implying that, um, but rather that the the theory, the economic theory, the prevailing uh, belief of the day was if you pursue profit, everything else falls into line. That if you're if you're profitable, it means you're efficient. It means you have good impact. It means you don't do bad things, and it means that we don't have any problems in society. Now, obviously, you know, twenty years on, we all know mm -hmm. that this was you know theory, mm -hmm. good theory. In practice, we're looking at it now and realizing you have to do more. 
So for, for whether it's CEOs or businesses, have to think about their impact. So in your, in your survey, you, you highlighted um, issues that um, audiences want their CEOs to be involved in. Mm -hmm. So this is different from politics. This isn't sort of like lobbying or, or, or funding a party to be in power to suit your agenda. This is actually a CEO saying, I care about climate change. I care about job security. I care about technology. I care about uh, immigration, um, inequality, discrimination, COVID vaccination policies. Mm -hmm. And I will work to influence these policies to the best of my ability. And that's what is expected. Now, to be blunt, that could get in the way of profit making if a CEO is doing that. But then again, the theory is, is that if you're, if you're touching all these different topics that have impact, then the business should take care of itself. Do you, do you agree with that? So my perspective is that organizations are expected to take a stand on certain issues. So at Edelman, globally, we want 50% of our leadership to be females. In the Middle East, I am part of the Dubai Business Women's Council, where I mentor women starting up their own businesses. We have a mentorship scheme in the Middle East called GWEN, Global Women Edelman's Network. I have taken a stand on gender parity in the business in the Middle East. What I'm not doing is commenting on every single issue that actually is, is, a, is a social issue. But where I'm asked about it, then I am expected to have a position on that. So it's not rent a quote. But if, if, a comp, if your employees, partners, and the market that you're operating in the industry see that you believe in something and you're following through on it, that's where you're going to build trust. I mean, the other thing, too, if, if CEOs are the face of change, then they actually do need to be representative of the population mm -hmm. that, that they represent. And so if they are the face of change, that would currently be fairly old and male, mm -hmm. to, to be blunt. So it is part of a risk mitigation strategy, honestly, to have diversity because we need to participate in this world. And if, if we're commanding change from CEOs, then the only ones who are going to be able to marshal it mm -hmm. are not just the old, yeah. <laughs> old men. Well, it comes back to resilience. So if you have a diverse executive team, you're likely to have different ideas, different experiences to draw on when, when you get into a crisis. If everyone is, as you put it, old and white, then statistically they, statistically they are. They mm. are uh, the chances are when we run into trouble, everyone's going to have the same idea. And if it's a bad idea, we're, we're in trouble. You know, think about the, the, the financial crisis, 2008, 2009. That was the same people coming up with the same idea that just really didn't work. And mm. so, I mean, I see in terms of this current trend looking ahead, if CEOs are the face of change, then CEOs, the face of that change, needs to rapidly change. Otherwise, mm. they're going to suffer the same trust erosion that governments, media, and the rest have had mm -hmm. over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's, I think there are two points here. That's why I love living in the UAE, because it's such a diverse society. Um, and the second point is that, like, as, as Mustafa rightly said, that you have to take a diverse viewpoint. You can't just be like, well, this is what I believe in. You actually have to have a team around you that is diverse and can give you different perspectives to help inform business decisions. Um, we, we, we talked a lot about the UAE, but you, you've also uh, put out a report about Saudi Arabia as well. Um, and there's a lot of similarities, very high trust in government, very high trust in business. Um, the economic uh, uh, optimism is high not as quite as high as the uae but it, mm. it's it's been high in saudi for a while because there's been a lot of changes young people being brought in um you know there's been more access to employment for, for women so there's a lot of change over there but but i think the difference is is that um what i saw in the report was really interesting it was trust in outsiders has been rising in saudi arabia 
which is really interesting for the future because it would have been not a closed country, but one that, that perhaps was more focused domestically inward than outward. Mm -hmm. And so now we're seeing as, as it changes, the, the, that trust in sort of other ideas, other people coming in, that, that can only be good for, again, diversity mm -hmm. and resilience. Yeah. So it's, it, I think the interesting point here is that Saudi Arabia is also one of the most trusted countries in the world. And they've been on this journey for the past, since 2016 under Saudi Vision 2030, where the social and economic reforms are massively benefiting the younger population there in terms of employment, opportunities, entertainment. They're bringing in global brands into the country, which I grew up in Saudi in the 80s I, I, until I was 12, 13. It's a completely different country what it, what it was to then. Um, so there's that point. The other one is that um, as the country modernizes and opens up, then you do become more trusting of the people you're actually engaging with, right? If you have a more of a conversation with someone or if you're talking to someone day to day, you're more likely to trust them rather than in what unfortunately was happening in the 70s and 80s in Saudi where consultants were coming in trying to sell something and then just leaving and basically half-baking something. Now there's actually delivery and transparency and accountability and partnerships that are actually being built. And that's where trust comes into it. Do you, do you think that the, you know, you talk about transparency, do you think that the trend through COVID where, you know, you, talk, you talked about Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed, you know, on camera talking about his experience. I mean, that's a high level of transparency from, from a ruler. Um, and do you think the, this trend will continue? Do you think once we, people have expected a certain level of transparency that it can't be rolled back? A hundred percent. I think transparency goes in hand with accountability at the same time. Um, I think there are an increasing number of communications channels where people are actually seeing what's actually going on. So it's no longer just a daily newspaper, but people can go on to, like, take The National, for example, a podcast, the YouTube channel, your social media channels. As journalists, you're encouraged to actually tweet content. Um, so I think the transparency comes with also the accountability piece and people consume that information across multiple channels. Um, my one is, um, one of my places I go to is LinkedIn in terms of gathering my information. I know that you guys are, are very, um, active on that as well. Yeah. I'm a bit of a super fan of LinkedIn. Yeah, hundred percent. positively embarrassing. <laughs> I'm curious. Okay. So you've gathered the insights. What happens now? What do you do with them? What are your takeaways from 2022? Uh, in terms of actually, I've I've taken up some information. Um, I hope that it kind of makes the world a better place on the most basic forms in terms of it helps educate me, helps open my eyes in terms of actually having different perspectives and actually being more open to differing views to what I would normally have. Um, no longer, I think, is it this narrow swim lane, but actually as globalization happens, more and more you're going to be interacting with different cultures, different countries. I've got a call tonight with the US. And then I think tomorrow morning, I've got calls with Europe, um, Germany and France. That's a great thing, right? Uh, I want to know what's actually going on in those markets and what the issues are. So then I can relate to my colleagues there. Uh, we, there, were, there was quite a few changes at the beginning of the year. Um, and this, come, this comes down again to trust though, because, you know, change is difficult, even when it's good, even if it's when some, something that people want. And trust helps you, you go through it. So the, the exercise of what's happening in the UAE and Saudi Arabia with so much change. You know, up to this point, it's been really successful. You think of even something like a weekend change, right, in the UAE, which might sound, how important is that? But it fundamentally changed everyone's lives, like in a matter of weeks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was, everyone was surprised at the timing of it, even if they, perhaps the decision itself had been flagged. 
that to to make that work i mean that is to me trust in trust is there trust in action right to mm-hmm. to, to to make that go through so kind of it's an illustration that if it isn't there then whatever your idea is no matter how good it is it's not going to come off mm-hmm. you have so, you have to have that in place 100% you have to have credit in the bank because then people are going to believe you and they're going to buy into the vision and that that it's actually going to work out for the best and we're seeing that in the local report in terms of the economic optimism the decisions and trust that the UAE government specifically has made over the past decade or so has has added to the current position it has in terms of being the second most trusted country in the world. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Kelsey Warner, thank you so much. Thank you. All that remains to thank our production team, Arthur Edison, Aisha Khan, and Mahmoud Ridda, and you all for listening. 